Thanks for tuning into Americana Music Profiles. The next episode starts right now. You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. Singer-songwriter P.D. Adams has had 13 critically acclaimed albums in multiple genres over the course of his career and 118 million streams on Pandora. It's his latest album, however, The Curious Wonder, that he says is more in line with the genre of music that feels closer to home for him now. He joins me on this edition of Americana Music Profiles to talk about this new collection of music. Good afternoon, Paul. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Where am I talking to you from? I'm in central Illinois in a town called Peoria. Okay. Has that been home your whole life? Is that just where you ended up? I, I grew up in the Quad Cities, which is right on the Mississippi River. I grew up in a boat harbor. Oh, wow. On the Mississippi River. Yeah. And uh, my dad then had a boat harbor here in Peoria. And so I ended up here in the mid-70s. Okay. And uh, I'm just two blocks from the Van Fogelberg home where he grew up. Oh, cool. And uh, we've got a lot of good music here in the area. How did music become a thing for you? How did your musical journey begin? You know, there's a. I think for all of us, there's this magic yearning. Mm-hmm. And for me, well, the first thing was the trumpet, my dad's trumpet. And then Louis Armstrong and Bessie Smith. And I thought, oh, my God. So I uh, played trumpet and, and horn. Uh, then I mm-hmm. kind of got away from it because, as most of us go through, we go through our dark night of the soul mm-hmm. and uh, try to find that, that place. And I eventually came back to music via a, a, a major in ethnomusicology and started building instruments from there. And cool. uh, from building instruments, I then went into recording. And you have not really, uh, doesn't seem that you've really settled in a, one particular genre for your, your career. You've done a lot of different styles throughout your musical journey. Is that correct? Yeah, um, one of the things in the music business that's essential for the business aspect, and that is to have a good arrow pointed in one direction. Mm -hmm. And I've never done that, but I think that you could loosely fit most of the stuff in the New Age kind of area, because I was influenced by world music and uh, meditative stuff and uh, anything eclectic and exotic. Uh, so I kind of was a real broad fit in there. But the thing that does the best for me, uh, and you know, I've got like 120 million streams on Pandora, is kind of that loosely fit New Age stuff. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I, I guess, is it is it safe to say that's your favorite? No. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I think this singer-songwriter release that I just, just uh, sent you, you know, this Curious Wonder. Yeah. I think that's closer to home than anything really? because it's it's lyrically where I've always been, but I was too shy to do it. Interesting. And I got of the age, and I thought, you know, I I gotta do this. And then I met with uh, Elizabeth Geyer from Australia, and I started helping her with some of her albums. And uh, she encouraged me, and I just 
it, the, the fear just left. It just slowly dissipated. And I thought, I'm, I've got to do this because it's more, I love that other stuff deeply. But this is maybe I've bared myself more. Interesting. I, I find it curious that you, uh, uh, you said that you, uh, it, it took that long to get to this record. You, you've had 118 million streams on Pandora, like you said, 13 albums. You've won several awards in several different music genres. And, and this is the one genre that you've shied away from because you didn't feel like you were ready for it. Is there, do you know why? Yeah. Yes, fear. <laughs> fear is that great equalizer among us all. And and you know what I think that each of us ha- has to somehow find, and you find this in your life coaching, that we each have to find that we all have some kind of a message or a mm-hmm. kind of a journey. And sometimes it takes a long while to find that. Mm-hmm. And I knew that by doing this record that I was exposing myself more than with any other uh, work. Hmm. Okay. And of course, I, yeah, it was because I'm exposing myself not just musically, but uh, also from a lyric standpoint. And I have in the album, I included, you know, poetry and things of that nature because mm-hmm. it comes with a six page booklet and a four page insert. Hmm. And that was kind of like me finally kind of going, okay, here I am. And I am not Yehudi Minuan. I am not <laughs> Rabbi Shankar. I am not Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> I am not Pat Metheny. I am just, you know, like, I guess you could call it Popeye consciousness. I am what I am. Yeah. And okay. that's okay. Yeah. And and, and so, and uh, yes. So I just, I had to say, you know what? This is okay. And it's valid simply because I was as truthful as I could be. So it's like, it's like peeling back all of those other layers, uh, getting down exactly. to the true the, self. the layers of the onion. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's called The Curious Wonder. I think I read mm-hmm. where it said that it took you 35 years to collect all the music for this album. Or? Well, it'd been there because uh, I, I started writing it back, uh, you know, in the very early, early 80s. But, you know, I just, like most of us, I thought, oh, well, nobody wants to hear this. And, uh, you know, you always saw other people as bigger than life and you see yourself as not bigger than life mm-hmm. and then i think maybe part of the, the journey for me was finally realizing um it doesn't matter that i'm on the top of the hill or the fastest gun in the west and what matters is do you think you've got something to say well and it's okay to say it and it's valid mm-hmm. you don't have a right to expect everybody else to, to believe it um, it would be nice if they did, but mm-hmm. you don't have that. <laughs> yeah, you don't have that right, but you do have the right to do it. Yeah, yeah. And with today's technology, I did the whole thing in my living room for wow. God's sakes. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, I guess yeah. It, it, it's part of uh, part of coming of age, growing up, getting older, yeah. whatever you want. But it's it's frustrating yeah. that it takes uh, some of us, maybe most of us, t- to a a career worth of living to get to the place where you can finally be honest and real and, and, and release what you finally feel like is what's really you, you know? Yeah. I'm definitely a member of the slow learners club. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you, you spent quite a few years in the mental health community. How has that influenced, uh, the music that you've created uh, and does it still influence that? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it, it was the best education of my life. And I got the job from my psychotherapist, actually. Mm. And um, I, what I, I worked in what, what I call uh, ground warfare. I worked for community mental health, mm. which was wow. the folks that don't have insurance yep. and the folks that are out on the streets and, and you know, not very tidy. And the best thing is that I, you know, it was difficult working in some aspects because you don't get too much reward. Mm-hmm. And since sometimes that when you offer a loaf of bread, the answer, the response isn't thanks, it's was the other loaf. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and so then you have to kind of realize, you know what, there is a poverty here. Maybe there, there is a little spoiled, as we all are. Mm-hmm. But there's a poverty of spirit, you know, where they kind of just feel so badly about themselves that they don't think they can pull themselves up. Yeah. So it, it helps me to kind of have a deeper understanding of what it was like to either be ill or to be impoverished in your spirit or, or in the material area. And then, of course, in looking at art and literature, and spirituality, it's uh, all of that intermixes. And I'm guessing that those experiences with those folks rolled over into those 35 years worth of songs. Yeah. Oh God. Yes, they do. You know, I've I got a song on there called "The Man at Fourth and Vine," and it's our protagonist in that in that uh, song is this old dude who's sitting on the corner. Mm-hmm. And nobody quite knows what he is. Is is this guy got schizophrenia? Is he? Is there something maybe that he's going on a little deeper level than some are imagining? Mm-hmm. And the the character in the song doesn't really explain anything to anybody. He allows them to kind of make up their own mind about what he is and how they can look at themselves and the fact that they want to somehow define and evaluate him and at the end of the song it it kind of discusses or he he kind of does make a statement of where priorities should be Mm -hmm. we're going to take a quick break from the interview we'll be right back welcome back to the interview how long did it take you to put the album together once you started it well elizabeth geyer came over from australia and we were working on her album called The Bridge. Uh, Elizabeth is somebody that I, I met actually on Facebook. Hmm. And then somehow, um, oh, somehow I got, I fell across this guy named Bruce Lundvall, who was the guy who ran uh, uh, the Blue Note Records. Oh, sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah he, he was a neat, neat fella. He He's the guy who signed Springsteen and James Taylor and all those people. Oh, and cool. uh, Miles Davis. Yeah. And I, I uh, somehow we, we came across one another, and I gave him some of Elizabeth's albums, and he just fell for her. So he said, bring her to America, and we'll kind of start recording. And then while we were here, I started playing some of my songs in a very shy way, and, and Elizabeth helped me to say, you know what, it's valid. And then I said to myself, okay, it's valid, and let's try to remove myself from this equation. Let's mm-hmm. try to say is this good enough or is it not good enough? And let's just not so much worry about another person's evaluation, mm-hmm. but let's just do it simply because it fell from the ether in my head. Therefore, it's probably valid. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, 
Uh, but anyway, forget it. It took me about a year to put it together. Yeah, okay. Uh, but the songs <laughs> had been written for many years, but it took me about a year because okay. I hadn't sung on my previous albums, and I needed to know what my voice yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I, w- I was kind of caught up in your answer and, and forgot the question myself <laughs> because <laughs> I was I was migrating towards what you just said. I, you know, as a as someone who uh, I, I'm presuming, and you just kind of answered that. You know that makes instrumental albums most of your life uh, comes to this place where um, now your songs need words uh, which came first was what I was thinking um, did you have these stories that needed a melody or did you have melodies that needed stories you know it, it happens um, it happened either way mm-hmm. um, sometimes um, there are certain chords that resonate with all of us. And uh, George Harrison used to call them the pretty chords. And mm-hmm. some of these chords, and then sometimes a different instrument will pull stuff out. Mm-hmm. And I heard somebody describe this the other day, and I can't remember who it was. It was a composer I, I dug. But he said that when things start rolling, you sort of hear what should come next. Mm. Uh, and sometimes that comes from just an inspiration. Sometimes I'll hear an overtone series coming from a chord that I'll do, and I'll say, oh, well, that is going to lead me to an A-diminished, so I should go in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> lyrically, the, the, the lyrics that come the easiest for me are jazz-oriented scat lyrics, mm. which is not this album. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are those are the things that come as easiest, and these others that are on this song come both crafted. You know where I work, middle walk away, work walk away, mm-hmm. and then there's a few that just came in five minutes. Mm-hmm. So um, they're like little gifts that just fall in your yeah, head. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's cool. Um, it just came out right about a week ago. Yeah, yeah, came out on the seventh of this month. Have you had any response? Has it been out long enough to get any feedback? Well, I don't haven't had a whole lot of response because I just sent it out, but I did just get about two dozen uh, news articles that uh, in Europe and in England and in America that I was real surprised that uh, they they jumped on the album to just report about its release. Yeah, and I think they probably thought that my history was interesting as well too, and something sure. different you know to write about. So I have gotten a couple of dozen uh, write-ups in various publications throughout Europe and America. Um, I'm kind of waiting for, uh, I've got a friend that used to run the Grand Old Opry, so I just sent him one. And um, and then um, Norbert Putnam sent me a nice message. I don't know if you know Norbert. I don't. Uh, interesting, interesting guy, bass player. Mm. Um, he was Elvis's bass player for years. Okay. But I think his real thing was working as a producer. He produced the early Joan Baez and Dan Fogelberg and, um, oh, who's that guy mm-hmm. from Texas that sings about drinking on the, on the ocean all the time? Uh, Buffett. Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett. Buffett. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's the guy who produced Jimmy's album that kind of broke through and kind of made him oh, yeah, kind sure. of a megastar. So I was very pleased that uh, that Norbert uh, thought it was cool. Yeah. But no, I haven't really gotten any reviews uh, yet because I just sent it out last well a week and a half ago, yeah. two weeks ago. Yeah, so it's just out. Yeah, okay. Will you um, will you play out with it? Do you 
something you're going to get out on the road a little bit and, and try to tour? You know what I would love to do? I would love to do really informal home concerts or oh, small yeah. venue concerts. concerts. Yeah. I really, I love those things. Uh, and, and the nice thing about this curious wonder is that it's set up so I can do it solo. Uh, I would prefer that, you know, if Elizabeth was over here from Australia for the, for us to do it uh, together. Mm -hmm. So, but right now I don't even have any plans on doing that because I'm waiting for the entire COVID thing to, to go away mm -hmm. and we'll let the response for this album sink in a little bit. Uh, but it's, it is set up so I can do it either solo or with uh, a few other people, yeah, okay. which would be, that'd be even more fun. Will you do it again? Is this a one-off or do yes. you? Yeah. Okay. No, I'm going to do it. And that's my, you know, my early albums I released under the name Paul Adams. And I decided because of the digital algorithms maybe confusing people to release this under the name P.D. Adams, mm -hmm. Paul Douglas Adams. So that, you know, when people are listening to playlists that they've made of, of my music on Spotify, won't all of a sudden get an album talking about a kid who's sitting in the room jealous as hell and about ready to shoot off a pistol. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I have a song, Freaks, where I, I talked about the dynamic of hurt and yeah. the irony of the fact that... Um, uh, Sometimes people that go and do these shootings are the people who have been bullied and severely bullied. And the irony is that they, in turn, do the same oh, to others. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I think lots of times this is that this it's the last straw that pushes them over the edge, and it's a revenge. Or actually, yeah. it's worse than that. It's it's uh, or more helpless than that. It's it's the final uh, attempt to relieve their own pain. Yeah. It is, and it's a sad thing. And we need to—I think—we need to understand the dynamic of hurt, not just the surface of hurt. And and you—you you have to work with this as a life coach. That hurt is a dynamic that isn't just a matter of somebody hit somebody else. No. It, it can go much deeper than that. Yeah, and yeah. Um, understanding that. Um, you know, if somebody is severely abused, they're not necessarily going to turn out to be humble people. No, they're going to be people that no. are hurting no. very, very much. Yeah, those wounds go underground and we live out of them the rest of our lives until, you know, we hit a wall and then it shows up in all kinds of crazy ways after that as an adult. Yeah. Well, I've got about 50 more tunes very similar to what is on this album so i've got uh, more music that i am going to do great uh, That's just, good. just it's it's time to do it yeah for sure well how can people find you and uh, listen to this album and if if they've been intrigued by your instrumental stuff uh, get, get, take a listen to that what's the best way to, to reach out well, they can Google search P.D. Adams, that's D as in Douglas, P.D. Adams, or Paul Adams, because they'll find my regular Paul Adams website also has a section for P.D. Adams. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's in all the digital places, you know, uh, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, Apple, and all the normal digital outlets. And uh, Facebook and... and um... Oh, yeah, I'm on Facebook yeah. and Twitter and Instagram. I need to start doing some more Instagram shows. Um, that's kind of an interesting platform yeah, for that's music. A new thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Well, thank you, Paul. This has been great. Uh, I, I really appreciate hearing your story and, and uh, having you tell us about your new record, and uh, we certainly wish you well with it. Hey, thank you, and uh, 
let's keep in touch and good luck with everything else, okay? Great. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. 